entering the Freedom Hut. More reporting on the whistleblower. Oh, the deep state coup that failed once again. Looks like Democrats are running the Russia collusion playbook and heading right for impeachment. Doesn't look like it's going to work to me. We'll get into that and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. It's a disgrace to our country. It's another witch hunt. Here we go again. It's uh, Adam Schiff and his crew making up stories and sitting there like pious, whatever you want to call them. It's just a really a, a disgrace. It's a terrible thing for our country. Uh, they can't do any work. They're frozen. The Democrats are going to lose the election. They know it. That's why they're doing it. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. President Trump is not, uh, not mincing words there, getting right to it. He knows what's going on here because he's been through this before. In the timeless words of Yogi Berra, this is deja vu all over again. They know that they don't have a candidate that is inspiring. The Democrats in this primary just look JV. They look like they're not the the real A-team, even for the Democrats. They don't have anybody who is either to the left Oh, so exciting like Obama, or at least what you get with Hillary is somebody who everyone knows and is a part of this system. And, well, she'll just do what we want her to do more or less. They got crazy Bernie running around. Now he's talking about raising taxes on on everybody who makes over twenty nine thousand dollars a year is what I saw today. That's going to be a lot of people paying more in taxes. But, oh, your health care is going to be just great, they say. Speak to somebody in the UK about what they think of their health care when they really need it. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. You look at the leftists who are currently running the Democrat primary and you understand why this uh, effort to take out Trump has bubbled up from within the Democrat ranks. I mean, this is more proof of what I've been saying all along, that, that, that there is, in fact, a deep state. The deep state isn't surprising to me at all because I was in the CIA, as those of you who listen to this show know, the CIA from 2005 to 2010, Uh, NYPD Intelligence Division 2011, and then, well, the rest is media history, I suppose. But I know what the deep state is like because I understand the mentality of many of the people who join the federal bureaucracy and decide that they need to do more than just their job. They need to save the republic from itself. They are hyper-partisan because the institutions that tend to turn out the people who go work for places like the State Department and the CIA. I mean, the State Department, if you spent time walking around and speaking to people in the various regional offices there, I think you'd be shocked. Uh, even Rachel Maddow might might be a little surprised at just how liberal most of the State Department is. And I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, that is true largely of the CIA and the intelligence community as well. The people that go to work for the federal government, particularly on the analytic side, are often 
I would say a, a strong majority up to and getting close to a vast majority left wing on the analytic side. That's different than some of the other jobs that exist within the intelligence community. Now, I would like the record to reflect that not all current and former CIA officers are self-righteous deep state commies who want to overturn the 2016 election. So let's get that on the record right now. I have friends who are still inside and friends who spent many years and just got out recently who are absolute patriots, the kind of people that you would want to have as colleagues, neighbors. There are great folks who work in the intelligence community. So we, we do need to say it because I'm going to start trashing more and more of these deep state elements who are what they're doing is orchestrating an intelligence bureaucracy led coup against the duly elected president of the United States. Again, they did this with Russia and it failed, right? They tried this whole Mueller probe. They used the DOJ. Some of that had Brennan and Clapper's hands and fingerprints all over it. We know that. But now they've come forward with this whistleblower complaint. And as people have been pointing out, it really is the hearsayer complaint. This is not somebody who had any firsthand knowledge of the conversation at issue. And the more you read through the actual complaint, the more clear it is that this is an exercise in editorializing, posing as whistleblowing. I read the complaint and I think I'm not, it's not even clear based on the facts as we know them. It is not even clear what the allegation of impropriety is other than I don't like that thing that Trump did. And that's not enough. And this is why you've seen that Democrats impeachment effort has rapidly devolved into nothing more than we strenuously object to Trump. Some of you will catch the a few good men reference strenuously object. OK, well, we, we still don't care. Orange man bad is not something that you can use in order to get rid of a president through legal mechanisms, okay? That, that doesn't work. Hashtag resistance is not an excuse to do absolutely anything you want. Abandon any norms. I mean, they've already abandoned decency, but I mean norms in the law. This whistleblower complaint that Adam Schiff had long before people thought he did is exactly what the president has said. It is a, a witch hunt. They are trying to stack the deck once again, what I, I keep bringing this up because I think it's so important. You know, I like to say Occam's razor, use it like a chainsaw. Just get after it. What is more likely that Trump orchestrated some incredible international nefarious conspiracy with the Russians in the 2016 election, working with Putin in order to steal an election from Hillary? She's back. Oh, that's right. You're going to see more Hillary. She's she's starting to. She's starting to strut her stuff on the campaign trail a little bit. She's feeling it. Oh, yeah. Because for Democrats, the only way to set right what they believe went wrong in 2016 is to have a negation of the 2016 election. They they need an annulment of Trump winning. They're not okay with a divorce. They they need this. This never really happened. They almost Soviet style. And this is true for those of you that, like me, are interested in Soviet history want to go through and with razor blades remove the names of peoples from uh, people from official documents as if they never existed. You know, they want to go in and I just watched the death of Stalin 
as soon as Stalin dies, you have this effort, you know, once Khrushchev and the rest of the Politburo fight it out, but but they, they remove so much of the paraphernalia, they remove these symbols of his power right away, you know, because that's that was his power. Fear and the projection of force and the sense of an om- omnipresent vision that was always, you know, somebody always watching you. So they had to get rid of that. With the Democrats today, Trump, it's not enough to just say that he's not going to be president anymore. They want to act like he has never been president. In fact, I think if you did have a successful deep state coup against Trump, which is not going to happen, but if they tried somehow, let's just say theoretically, they managed to get two thirds of the Senate to go along with this, which would be I mean, the Republican Party would be dead forever. It would be it would be the end. But even even if all that happened, then they would want to go back and say, well, every law that he signed is null and void. They would say that it was illegitimate from the start. There would be all these legal challenges, I assure you, because they just cannot accept that this world of listening to podcasts of the New York Times Daily and then walking around and seeing MSNBC on the screens and, you know, reading the Washington Post and drinking a soy latte and thinking that everybody who's anybody who's even vaguely educated and decent agrees with everything that all these libs think. Trump was a just a shock to all of that. Oh, my gosh. You mean that there are people that completely reject this outlook on the world that the elite media has been jamming down Americans' throats for decades, assuming that about half the country is totally, totally on board with it when they know they're not. They must know. But they want the negation of Trump's 2016 victory, and that can only come through a deep state coup. Now, you might say, Buck, they know it's not going to work. Ah, but remember, remember the rules that we saw with Kavanaugh. They want an asterisk by the name. That doesn't necessarily mean that they get everything that they're looking for. I mean, sure, they would like to have a legal process by which Trump is removed from office and sent to prison if they could. Remember, these people, it's not enough for them to be in power. They don't want to be president uh, for all of us, right? They don't want to be a party that unites us. They would send Trump and, and people around him to prison if they could. Nancy Pelosi would smile for the cameras while Trump was frog marched out of the White House if they could remove him from power. You know this. Had no problem with this, would have no problem with this whatsoever. Do you think any of them feel remorse for what has been done to General Flynn or Papadopoulos or Carter Page? Of course not. Or the other staffers that you haven't even heard of who have gone bankrupt and had their entire careers derailed because of the delusion, the delusion that Donald Trump worked with the Russians back in 2016. No, they, they want the rewriting of history to occur. They want Soviet-style erasure of Donald Trump's presidency. And if they can't get that, they want an asterisk so that if they take the presidency in 2020, they'll say, and oh, by the way, Trump was never really legitimate. He was a usurper the whole time. This is scary stuff. This is unsettling for a country that is supposed to be a constitutional republic. This is much more like the... Uh, monarchical feuds of Europe that we saw stretch on for for centuries where, you know, who was legitimate, who wasn't legitimate. You know, Bonnie Prince Charlie shows up in Scotland. I've obviously been watching some Outlander. So that's what they want to do to Trump. It was never real. He was never the president. And so they launched this legal 
or I should say legalistic, it is illegal, but this legalistic coup against him with this whistleblower complaint from somebody who the moment you look at the words used, look at the construct here, understand it is just what we, what we saw in the Mueller report. A whole lot of noise, a whole lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. There's no there there. There's no crime. And yet they're going to go forward anyway. They're going to go forward and tell us that Trump was never really president. And so you must vote for somebody else. And Hillary Clinton is even going to join them in this effort, which is truly astonishing. Anytime any Democrat in the media, the enormous frauds at CNN and the New York Times and elsewhere, when they pretend to, to care about the rule of law and the Constitution, just remind them that they all acted like what Hillary Clinton did wasn't just crime after crime after crime, which is what it was. Never even saw charges. If you think that what happened in the 2016 election was fair from the perspective of rule of law, the way they treated Hillary Clinton and what they have done to Donald Trump, you're either dishonest or you're just not paying attention. I know you know, but I meant that for the occasional libs who listen in who think, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This guy is smarter than all my heroes at CNN and the New York Times. This is, this is going to be trouble. We're going to have to make fun of his hair. Bring it. We've got much more coming, team. Stay with me. And are you worried about the security of the, of the sources of the whistleblower, yes, the very, president? I'm very worried about it. I think what the president said goes beyond irresponsible. It's dangerous. Uh, whistleblowers have an important role to play in unfolding, wrong, uh, revealing wrongdoing in our government. Uh, if, if their complaint has been deemed by the inspector general as credible and also of urgent concern and therefore sent to the director of national intelligence, the law says this, uh, the director must send it to Congress. The White House intervened, the executive branch intervened and held him back from doing that. I feel sad for him because he's a respected professional. But for the president to say what he said about those who may have supplied information to the whistleblower seriously undermines integrity in government. But the president does that almost every day. I just want to wash my ears out with rubbing alcohol after having to sit through that. I'm sorry to make you say, but we have to know what the opposition says. Some of you tell me, Buck, don't play those crazy libs on your show. And I say, but we, this is the, I have to present you with the evidence of their insanity. That's why I'm here. To give you the counter argument or really just to project reality, because you won't get it from The New York Times. You won't get it from uh, Washington Post and CNN and NPR and Vox, which which is such an, an, an institution of higher uh, of higher intellect that they made fun of my name in a uh, in a story recently. Oh, you're so clever, Vox. Uh, I would love to see one of your writers make fun of my name to my face. Um, it is it is beta male central over there. It really is. But back to uh, Pelosi and what she's saying here. Mueller. Uh, Mueller was an effort to use the law in a way that was bad faith to take down the president of the United States. You go back and you, you, you see this. Well, the, but this was obstruction and that was obstruction. And they, they throw all these things to the wall to see what sticks. And none of it did. They're doing the same thing now with this whistleblower complaint. You can tell that their expectation was that Trump would fight because he very easily could have fought disclosure of the transcript. So the initial, we, we threw off their timetable here. It was supposed to be, oh, they're hiding, they're hiding, there's a cover-up, there's a cover-up. That's the usual Democrat. So this is just 
This is Ukraine collusion, essentially. They're saying that they, that Trump was trying to collude with the Ukrainians to go after Biden. And I've been saying this all along. There is nothing illegal about the president telling a counterpart, look into corruption. Oh, by the way, if that happens to affect someone who's not even in politics, I might add, but who would be it would look embarrassing for Democrats. There's no special protection for Hunter Biden. Ah, but they reject this. Democrats are used to being the ones who get to decide whose turn it is in the barrel. Democrats are the ones who are used to deciding when someone's life will be ruined or destroyed for the purposes of politics. And they're also used to being able to shut down stories that would be damaging to them. The Ukraine situation is all this stuff they're throwing out there about how Trump talked to uh, talked to Zelensky and and a lot of what was said initially wasn't true. There wasn't a quid pro quo. The people trying to make make a quid pro quo, they're just doctoring transcripts now. They've actively doctored transcripts in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and they've cut out hundreds of words, say, I got to ask you a favor, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, what about Hunter Biden? That's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. But they're running the same playbook. And when Pelosi talks about this whistleblower, oh, the whistleblower, his... His uh, honorable intentions and everything else. This whistleblower is a pawn of Adam Schiff and the Democrat House majority and the far left of American politics. There were people that were assisting this whistleblower drafting this complaint. There's no way that this was just somebody who presented this. They keep saying, oh, the whistleblowers. So they're doing the Mueller, uh, the Mueller Comey trick too. this whistleblower who. It is believed has incredible expertise about Ukraine as a highly trained CIA analyst, you know. Oh, oh, you mean that this is the smartest, most amazing person that allegedly, right? This is what's been reported, allegedly works as a CIA analyst ever, right? Oh, my gosh, this person is amazing. I was a CIA analyst. I could tell you a lot of bozos out there, a lot of bozos in the I'm just going to I tell you the truth. I'd say in the CIA analyst cadre. It was 70, 60 to 70% libs politically, right? I think there was 60 to 70% libs would be my guess. Now, I'm just putting it out. I don't know. We never took a poll, but that's what I would say. Maybe almost three out of four are libs. And uh, I'd say about one in five were really impressive. (laughs) I'm just telling you the truth. About one in five were, like, really smart. And the rest, you were kind of, eh, How'd you get this job? Anyway, that's the truth from inside inside of deep state central where I used to be. Um, but we've got to get more into uh, well, I, I, I'm so excited that Hillary's back. That'll be so much fun for all of us. And we have much more coming up here on the impeachment proceedings that they think they're going to get to now. They're trying to rush right to it. I wonder why they're Russian. You'll see what I did there. But basically, that person never saw the report, never saw the call, meaning never saw the call heard something and decided that he or she, whoever the hell it is, sort of like almost a spy. I want to know who's the person that gave the whistleblower, who's the person that gave the whistleblower the information? Because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart, right? The spies and treasons. We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. (laughs) Trump is, he's, he's pushing it a little bit there. 
uh, he, he's, he's obviously making a, a reference to what used to be done during times of war with, uh, with traitors. Uh, I think that's clear. I think he's mostly kidding. But I do think that there is a larger point that is illustrated here, and that is the federal bureaucracy. And this is not new. This is not unique to Trump, I would have you remember, that the federal bureaucracy is uh, very comfortable and very re- it's very reliable in its support for Democrats from within the national security apparatus in ways that really matter. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, what I mean Think of a, a deeply damaging leak from the eight years of the Obama administration with the debacle of the Iran nuclear deal, the Obama administration essentially saying we don't want to do too much in Syria to upset the, to upset the uh, Iranians because we want to get a deal with them so badly. All that. When was the last time you can, you can think of that somebody in the press broke in the mainstream press? broke a big damaging national security story under a under the Obama administration. Before that, you have to go back pretty far. Didn't happen. And yet there were leaks, very damaging leaks, dealing with our efforts to get the worst terrorists in the world, dealing with uh, U.S. activities during a time of war. There were leaks of classified information during the Bush administration that were not leaked because they wanted to make sure that America was being this great ethical country. They were leaked because it hurt Bush. They wanted to hurt Bush and Cheney. You have the same thing now under the Trump administration, even just surrounding conversations with foreign heads of state. Trump has a call with a foreign with a foreign head of state. I've already mentioned Australia, Mexico, and now this Ukraine call. Stuff leaks out from it. Well, that means somebody with access to that call either told the press himself or herself or went and told somebody else, which seems to be the case with this. So, I mean, I, I even think calling him a whistleblower, it's like saying somebody's an elite, uh, saying somebody's an undocumented immigrant. No, no, this is, this is someone who is doing a, a partisan hearsay editorial hit job. It's a whistleblowing. It doesn't have the legal right to complain. I mean, this the problem is that nobody would have thought to do this before. So I think that the inspector general and and the Department of Justice was a little bit caught unawares here because they're this isn't something that you would do if you were trying to serve your country and serve your government. You're going to undermine your president because you don't like what he said to a foreign head of state. You're going to try to get this is all about getting impeachment going, right? This person. Well, what did this whistleblower? Let, let's let's take a moment to see what what a whistleblower usually wants. Accountability, right? A stop, perhaps, if the behavior is ongoing and then accountability. So, you know, if America had some super secret, cool ninja assassination program abroad where we were just taking out all the bad guys with our with our highly trained ninjas, but no, no trial, no nothing. And there was no. You know, no, no uh, presidential covert action authorization for it or anything. And you're like, hey, we got to stop using all these secret ninjas to go kill people because they're going rogue sometimes. And I mean, actual ninjas like with the throwing stars and the swords, because we're going to have some fun with this analogy. You know, if you were, which makes me think of how they don't make ninja movies anymore. You know, I grew up in the 80s and I was like, when is when is somebody who befriends my parents when I'm a young teenager going to offer to take me? 
back to o- Okinawa and train me in the ways of his ancestors. And, I, you know, that's like there are so many movies like that. And it just doesn't think of American Ninja, for example. But OK, so back to our ninja assassination program that doesn't exist. All right. This is not Buck. Are you are you blowing the program right now on air? Are you? He's he's deep state. I, I, I know. I've seen I've seen that smug, secure Bilderberg look before. He looks like a Bilderberg, like like, like they adopted him. Uh, so if you were a whistleblower in that circumstance, you would want to bring attention to it. So when the program stops and also you'd want there to be accountability, you would want people involved in this illegal program to get in trouble. What does accountability look like? I mean, the, this isn't a, this is a phone call. This was not an ongoing concern. So what you say is what would the whistleblower want here? Obviously to put a stop to an investigation of Biden and accountability for the president. And to this, you'd have to say, hold on a second. Uh, put a stop to this. This is a policy decision. There is nothing illegal about the president recommending that someone in another country in a position of authority speak to his Department of Justice to coordinate on a foreign investigation, especially if it involved, if it has a U.S. nexus. That's just, that's just what the president's allowed to do. There's nothing illegal about it. Okay, so we start with that. And then beyond that, what is accountability supposed to look like? Well, I think we all know because the Democrats are rushing to it right now. They have decided that they're not even going to wait to get additional facts or information. They just see this as a chance to get what they've wanted to do uh, done all along, which is to just hold impeachment hearings and then hold a vote and impeach the president. And then there'll be a Senate trial and he won't be removed. But they can say impeached. That's the asterisk, just like Christine Blasey Ford was supposed to be for Kavanaugh. The asterisk. Oh, not not really a Supreme Court justice. So if if the infanticide regime of abortion is ever stopped in this country, well, it's not legitimate if the Supreme Court stops it because, you know, asterisk Kavanaugh was part of it. Same thing with Trump. They'll say, well, the laws under Trump and the things that were signed and done and executive actions they don't really count because he was impeached. That's the asterisk. That's th- these are the politics of this current moment. I will say, and some of you are accusing me of favoring Tulsi Gabbard for non-political reasons. And I will have you know that that is, that is false. That is, those are scurrilous charges, Team Buck, scurrilous. I think that, uh, I just think that Tulsi is among the more appealing, and I mean that politically, of the Democrat candidates, okay? I like Yang, too. I think Yang... I mean, if, if I had to pick two Democrats to run the country that are still in the race, it would be Tulsi and Yang. Would they destroy the economy? And would it be... Yeah, of course. It would be really bad. But at least it wouldn't be Crazy Warren or Bernie or Joe Biden, who really is just a just a just an incompetent nincompoop that's managed to get so far on so little. I, I almost respect the game because he's been able to do that. But I wanted you to hear what Tulsi has said, for example, about impeachment. This is a Democrat now, so we'd like to hear what the enemy thinks. Even if the enemy is occasionally somewhat delightful. Play uh, <laughs> play 23. You know, I think when you step outside of the bubble here in Washington and, and you get to where most folks in the country are, uh, look, I'm not a lawyer, but I think most people reading through that transcript are not going to find that 
uh, extremely compelling cause to throw out a president that won an election in 2016. And mm -hmm. instead, what I think most people will see is, hey, this is uh, another move by Democrats uh, to get rid of Donald Trump, further deepening the already uh, hyper-partisan divides that we have in this country. And, and that's really where, where I'm coming from. Look, uh, Donald Trump is corrupt. He is unfit to serve our country as president. He is unqualified to serve our country as commander-in-chief. No. I'm running for president to defeat him. I just think it's so important for our country to be able to move forward, to, to bridge these divides, that it be the American people that make this decision. Okay, I know you had to sit through some stuff at the end there where you're like, ah, get out of here. But I, but look, she understands that a normal person sees what has gone on. Just a normal person who has not been completely indoctrinated. I always find, why do all these young people I come across, they're like, oh, I get my news from NPR. Why do you like to just have people who tell you things that are liberal propaganda, but they do it in this voice? Like, why do people, <sighs> anyway, I've got questions, many, many questions. But Tulsi understands here that politically, it's not a good move for the Democrats, but they can't abandon it because their base demands it. This is all about the crazy left wing base, right? So she understands that that's what's pushing Pelosi and the rest into this. And she says Trump's unqualified and all that. Yeah, of course, she has to say that she's trying to unseat him as president. And she's never going to be president. But just the admission that this is not the big smoking gun OMG moment that the media was saying and that the libs were promising this Ukraine collusion is is just it's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. And the fact that they're rushing to impeachment now and trying to get this through. I mean, they've got a two week recess coming up and then they come back for a little bit and then they've got the Thanksgiving recess. And then, you know, Congress doesn't work that hard, really, which is what you get, especially this time of year. You're like, oh, wow. Glad they're making the hundred and seventy five K or whatever it is now starting salary. Uh, but these members of Congress are. The Democrats are going to try to just get this thing done and get it through because I believe they think that it's an asset in the long term. And I, I think I told you they were going to impeach. I've been you know, I've been saying that I think they're going to hold the floor vote on this and they're going to impeach President Trump. I do believe they're going to do it. Everyone says, oh, they're so no, they're not savvy. Look at how insane they are with this whole whistleblower nonsense. This person is clearly an anti-Trump deranged deep state loon. And the Democrats are running, running around acting like, oh, yeah, this person's saving the republic. Give me a break. I read the transcript of the Zelensky call and I thought, you got to be, this is it? This is all? This is what we're talking about? Speaking of which, uh, my friend uh, and old colleague from the Hill, John Solomon, has some new information that he's presenting because there was a narrative, a defense narrative created for Hunter Biden when this stuff initially bubbled up to the surface. Turns out that some of the talking points that the, uh, the idiots of left-wing media have been relying on to shut down, oh, nothing happened. Ukraine, we know there was no corruption. Hunter Biden is just totally pure and fine. I don't think so. We will get into uh, that in just a moment. Tonight, I posted for the first time a sworn affidavit obtained by lawyers for a Ukrainian oligarch. It's about to be introduced in a court in Europe. It's from Mr. Shokin, the man who was fired, the prosecutor I interviewed, the Washington Post interviewed, ABC interviewed. In that statement, Mr. Shokin swears under oath 
He was told he was fired because he refused to drop the Burisma investigation, and it made Mr. Biden, the vice president, unhappy. We have to find out who's telling the truth. This is at the core of the credibility of our United States government. Either Joe Biden's telling the truth or the prosecutors in these memos and Hunter Biden's legal team are not, are not telling the truth. We have to find out which one is because it matters to American sovereignty. Shouldn't we be able to get to the truth of this matter? Why is that such a problem? The Democrats put the country through a farcical special counsel investigation looking at a Russia collusion conspiracy that was insane and that was really just meant to be a, a way of slowing down and hurting the Trump administration and making examples of people that had supported Trump. That's what was going on. We went through two years of that. And then at the end, we had this Andrew Weissman document, which kind of reminds me of the whistleblower document, a lot of editorializing, a lot of, ooh, and then this thing, which seemed really nefarious, but I guess it's not technically illegal, but like it seemed really bad, and maybe there's other bad stuff, but we couldn't find it. And they told us, well, now the Congress is going to act, but it wasn't enough, was it? It was just a dud, the Mueller report. So now what have they done? Instead of trying to mount a compelling narrative as a party, as Democrats, as leftist socialists, as to why all this prosperity and not fighting wars we don't have to and all this stuff that's going on with Trump, we want to get rid of that. Let's let's put Bernie Sanders in charge of the economic system. Who is that dumb that they think Bernie Sanders has the first idea of how to help you pay your bills and make your life easier? Well, he starts from the exact wrong premise, which is that he needs to take more of your money and put government in greater control of your life. So he starts on a foundation of wrong. But we'll put that aside. We'll get into that more in the next hour of the show. I just I can't help but be deeply frustrated by the Democrat smokescreen that they're throwing up right now around getting to the bottom of what happened in Ukraine. Hunter Biden was paid off because he was Biden's son. OK, we're not idiots. We know this. How bad was it? What else happened? Was there a quid pro quo? Was it illegal? I think that's worthy of investigation. I think that policy that's at the intersection of U.S. national security and economic interests in a country that is critical to uh, our policies vis-a-vis Russia as well. I mean, Ukraine is really a battleground for U.S. and NATO supremacy against the Russians. You know, there's a proxy fight between Russia and the West going on in Ukraine all the time. This isn't some unimportant country. Okay, this isn't, uh, you know, Hunter Biden was put on the board of some NGO in, you know, a a country with two or three million people somewhere. You know, he's he's not he's not running a board in in Fiji like this is this matters to U.S. national security interests. And we can't find out what really happened. I've had so many journos coming at me because yeah i've been spitting fire on twitter you should all by the way follow me on twitter if you're not already buck sexton come on my my tweet game is strong i don't waste a lot of like oh i had a sandwich today no i go hard on the tweets all right you should check it out but i've had all these lib journals come at me oh shokin was fired because he was so corrupt according to all these people and i just always want to say how do you know how do you know How is that supposed to work? How are we supposed to believe that? Right? Based on what? 
Well, that was the story, though. Oh, and if you look at the timeline, the investigation was already over and Shokin was really bad. The prosecutor looking into Burisma. Well, John Solomon's got a whole bunch of documents and he's been he broke this case open initially and he's still looking at it. He's saying, no, actually, Shokin was fired because he was looking at Burisma. He wasn't not looking at Burisma and was fired because he was so corrupt. So if John's right and he has been so far, you know what that means? The elite lib media has been lying about the situation in Ukraine and Burisma and the prosecutor the whole time. Shouldn't we find out what's true? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's right. The, the libs have created a special new rule, which is you can't investigate anybody, even if you're the president, if it looks bad for Democrats. This president in his conversations with the president of Ukraine was speaking like an organized crime boss. Uh, he said this was classic mafia style talk. Uh, about Absolutely. This. You don't needs to be explicit to set up a shady deal. I mean, if you've ever watched any mafia, anything. I mean, to people who see this kind of stuff in movies, uh, you see mob bosses doing it. Anyone who watches mob movies knows that's not how it happens. Um, this strikes me as a call that's really more appropriate um, to be reading a transcript of from a mob wiretap. This is how a mafia boss talks. We always have people talking about how Donald Trump speaks like a mobster. I don't like these mafia-like tactics to try to intimidate witnesses. We see this from mob bosses. We do not see this from presidents. What those notes reflect is a classic mafia-like shakedown of a foreign leader. He gets the mob talk. Donald Trump sought to run U.S. foreign policy the way Tony Soprano ran his crime family. Shaking people down is what he does. He doesn't know how to do anything else. He thinks he's Tony Soprano. And in a lot of ways, he is Tony Soprano. They're both overweight mouth breathers who are disappointed with their sons. Yep. Democrats have talking points, folks. They get they get on message, they coordinate, they collaborate, and then they just try to flood the airwaves with this crap. Oh, Trump speaks like a mob boss. Does does Zelensky think that Trump was speaking like a mob boss? Doesn't seem like it at all. Does a normal person reading that transcript feel like it's anything other than a cordial exchange between heads of state? Of course not. Ah, but then we get into the moving of the goalposts. And this is important. And I want to I want to dig into why a little bit. The moving of the goalposts on the quid pro quo. Uh, See, this is where judgment and nuance comes into play. And judgment and nuance, these are areas where Democrats will always revert to their side gets more than just the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Discretion is used to bail their side out. Anyone on the left that is valuable and there's discretion in the application of law or in the consideration of an act. The left will always get, oh, yeah, no, that's that's fine. He didn't he, she didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And for conservatives, even we don't do anything bad. It's well, if you if you stretch this statute as far as it can go, if you really use this thing in a way that, you know, I can kind of see it. I mean, they didn't they didn't say the thing they needed to say for the the drug deal to happen. But, you know, they walked past each other and they looked at each other kind of like, hey, I'm looking at you. Maybe we're doing a drug deal. So we just arrested them. They didn't have any drugs on them, but we know what was in their hearts. You might be saying that sounds bizarre. Well, that's what Democrats are doing here with impeachment. They just try to rush the whole thing, rush the whole thing through. Right? Oh, you know, we're impeaching him because uh, blah, blah, bad things. Trump is evil. Hillary, I mean, <laughs> Hillary, we're going to, hello. We're going to talk about her in a second. Pelosi is already more or less admitting to this. She's like, there's, uh, there's like a hundred million things we could get Trump on. And you're like, okay, but which one is it? 
Can you pick one? Can you find one thing that is going to be worthy of, of discussion for impeachment? And the answer is no. Now, quid pro quo is something that is a very, it's getting a lot of attention right now because that was the promise and it wasn't there. So there's a huge hole in the Democrat case for why what Trump did was so bad. Uh, and I would also need to know, okay, well, politicians exchange favors all the time. If it's a favor that they're allowed to exchange, right? You, it cannot be of personal benefit, but how do you separate out so you can't, you can't take a, a bag of cash to sign a law or something, right? But how do you start to separate out political benefit from actions that have political implications? I mean, really unpack this with me for a moment here. Think about this. What if what if Trump had said, you know what, uh, we're really going to our relationship's going to get a whole lot stronger. But I, I just need I need answers on whether there was election interference from Ukraine in 2016. And, and I really need to know whether or not there was some problem at Burisma that affected any American citizens, including the Bidens. Is is that a, someone want to make the case that's illegal? Uh, he's he's not telling anybody that their that their constitutional rights are being erased. He's not saying, you know, take this guy out. You know, they're talking about mafia bosses or throw this guy in prison without a trial. He's saying, I want answers. I need answers and a legitimate investigation. They want an investigation of Trump based on this BS whistleblower complaint. Why can't Trump want an investigation? Of, uh, they act like the Burisma thing is already all said and done. Uh-uh. Sorry, that's not going to work. Not going to fly this time, libs. But we don't even have to look at the current moment of the quid pro quo to really understand just how dishonest the Dem media and the libs really are on this stuff. Let's take a little trip down memory lane. Now, don't don't blame me for this. Don't get mad at me because there's going to be a little audio here that might for some of you. It might be a little bit of. uh, P.H. S.D post Hillary stress syndrome or no PTSD PHSD yeah post Hillary stress disorder or syndrome or I don't know whatever it is you know what I'm saying Hillary PTSD damn it play 14 one of the dangers we face is impeachment having it now firmly in the house where it belongs under our constitution blocking out everything else that's been done and all of the other issues that are at stake. So we got to do what is difficult to do in politics and really hard in this town. We've got to do two things at once. We have to talk about what's at stake with impeachment and we have to advocate for what's at stake in the next election. And we can do that and we must do that. Yes, sounding like the sober statesman balancing out competing interests that she always pretended to be, right? Let's just uh, think about quid pro quos for a minute, my friends. Hillary Clinton, while Secretary of State, had a husband who accepted a speech from from a Russian state-backed bank and got a check for five hundred thousand dollars i'm sure they flew him over there uh, flew him over private so they put him on a private jet flew him over there he read some notes that somebody else gave him oh, yeah I'm a li- well oh, gosh i haven't done bill clinton in so long hey what's going on there we go 
I'm here in Russia. I got to say, you got a lot of beautiful ladies here. A lot of them all over the place. I want to stay. It's a little cold, but ladies will keep me warm. So they sent Bill Clinton over there, and he's being a total, uh, just a grifter extraordinaire, right? He's, he's being a guy who is taking money for anything. They made, folks, a fortune that's over $100 million, a vast majority of it from speaking engagements. Now, I know that's for both of them, but that's a lot of speaking engagements and a lot of money for them. And when you think about a quid pro quo standard for corruption, how is it not a problem that Bill Clinton is getting paid a half million dollars for a speech while his wife is secretary of state? He's getting that money from a foreign government, effectively, in Russia. And we're told that that's no issue. How is it not an issue that the Clinton Global Initiative was accepting money from all over the world, countries like Saudi Arabia and you name it. And then when all of a sudden Hillary Clinton wasn't going to be president, uh, president anymore, all these donations dried up. Well, what happened? They, they don't care about charity anymore. There are no more, there are no more women's empowerment initiatives or climate change uh, forums to hold or whatever other worthless crap the Clinton Global Initiative was pretending to support. Hmm? And they want to lecture us about corruption? Hillary Clinton was running a massive global charity as a front for influence peddling and donations to her and her husband. And the Democrats weren't just okay with it. They wanted to make her president while she was doing it. And they're going to tell us that, oh, but but sometimes there's a mob boss doesn't have to say the thing. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know. When you're getting paid a half million dollars a speech by a foreign country, when that foreign minister from that country calls the secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, and is like, hey, you know, can you sign this thing for us or, you know, help us on this a little bit? Yeah, there was no explicit quid pro quo. The Russians weren't like, here, you will sign policy. We have big bag of money. We change. Like, that's not what happened. But it is kind of what happened. So just notice how the, the, the selective outrage here when what happened with the Clintons in the last election, what we saw, was so much more of a whitewashing of what could have been very easily described as corruption. And now they're acting like the president. Well, this always also comes down to they don't believe that the president really is the president. They don't think that he has the full powers of the office. They think that he's illegitimate. They think that he does not count in the role. In case that isn't enough, you know, Hillary wants you to know exactly how she feels about this guy. Play 15. This occupant, occupant of the Oval Office poses a clear and present danger to our future, to our democracy. Hello, a clear and present danger. What? What is the clear and present danger? I, I really do think that Democrats, we're not, we're not living in the same country. You know, I, I remember when there were uh, there were race riots happening under the previous presidency. All this anger and, and, and rage about racist police and people were completely, oh my gosh, oh, areas of the city, uh, areas of cities were up in flames and they're looting stores. And Oh, but okay, 
but things were great then? I mean, I'm just, you know, what, what, what is the big problem? I mean, we were fighting wars. We're toppling, a, you know, toppling a government in Libya, fighting a war there. We're letting Syria just completely devolve into a hellhole. Terrorist attacks on U.S. soil. Plotting going on in Syria. All that's happening. Economies anemic in its growth from a recession. And we're supposed to think that that's all, that's better? Where's the clear, where's the clear and present danger? I, I need someone to explain this. Where's the clear and present danger? We'll be right back. I do think the attorney general has gone rogue. He has for a long time now. And since he was mentioned in all of this, it's curious that he would be making decisions about how the complaint would be handled. You stop saying mean things about my friend Bill Barr, Nancy Pelosi. How dare you? He has not gone saying that he has gone rogue. I mean, this Pelosi's an absurdity. She's she's almost like a, a political caricature. The attorney general has gone rogue. The attorney general is, according to every D.C. based lawyer I know who is not a left wing lunatic. And I'm incl- I'm including Democrats in that, just not the ones who are completely insane. Barr is a top flight legal mind, top class and a very good and ethical guy, and has already been attorney general. Was he going rogue when he was attorney general under the Bush administration? H.W.? Was he going rogue then? I don't think so. But, but oh, he's, he's going rogue now. This is why you, you can't take these people, you can't take these Democrats seriously. They just say things that are completely insane. Well, what is she even going for here? What is this supposed to mean? He's rogue because he doesn't do what she says? <laughs> he doesn't work for her. One of the problems that I see here, one of the big advantages that Democrats have, and I, and I do, I mean this, this is going to sound a little, a little snide, but it's true, is that Democrats just generally, uh, even, even ones with very fancy educational pedigrees and e- even those that with very uh, elite resumes, Democrats just culturally and ideologically are ignorant of the American founding and the Constitution and the separation of powers. They, they really don't appreciate, understand, or, or, or care much for any of those things. And so as a result, instead of digging into these areas and understanding you know, what Congress's role really is, what the executive branch's role is, and then making determinations that can affect political considerations based upon the structure in place, not just whatever libs want it to be, what you see happening time and again is that the uh, the Democrats are able to perpetuate these narratives that are just really anti-constitutional in many ways, and their own their supporters and and left wing voters. I think they really just don't know any better a lot of the time. Even the ones that would think that they're super smart and they know everything, they just don't understand. I just look look at most of the libs that you know and you see on TV. Whenever they start talking about, you know, Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution, it's always like, it's like, it's kind of like when liberals talk about the Bible on TV, and it's like, yes, you know, from the book of jobs. I mean, job or whatever. Yeah, that one, 12, 12 V. Uh, you know, they, they have no idea what's going on. It's really like that with the Constitution as well. And so as a result, um, liberals have a lot of latitude when it comes to creating narratives that anybody who understands the way our system of government is supposed to work would know is just nonsense. 
But they'd prefer to hear, the libs would prefer to hear that the version they like is the one that's real. A quick note here. I wasn't sure I was going to get into this. <sighs> but this is so annoying. Because, and, and look, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rare radio host in that I will tell you uh, that I'm not always right. I mean, I'm almost always right. And don't listen to what producer Mark says. But, I mean, I'm almost always right. But the, the truth is that you know, with, with Romney, I thought, okay, back in 2012 when it was Romney or Obama, I just figured Romney is far more um, educated on the issues of business and economics. And I, th- I thought he would be a, a pretty decent traditional GOP establishment guy. Who seems like a he seems like a nice guy, and you know I'm not somebody that just because I disagree with anyone's politics I trash them, you know I, I everyone I've ever met says Paul Ryan's a super nice guy, even though I, I think he's been very unhelpful to the Trump administration in ways that that annoys me. Um, but uh, you know Paul Ryan's a nice guy, Mitt Romney's a nice guy. They're good, honorable family men, and so you know I, th- I think we always do need to keep the keep a balance here, right? I can disagree with people a lot. You know, look, I disagree with best friends and family members sometimes still love them. I mean, it's not so, but Romney's Romney's working his way to getting just voted off the Island, you know, kicked off the kicked out of the family. All right. This is a New York times piece today. As Republicans face impeachment dilemma, Romney is a lonely voice of concern with most Republicans rushing to defend president Trump against an impeachment push. A deeply troubled Mitt Romney stands apart. Why is Mitt Romney the Senator from Utah? Why is he deeply troubled about this? Okay, someone, someone, there's nothing to be deeply troubled about. What is his problem? Someone explain this to me. I I know he despises Trump. I know that he's had all these harsh things to say about Trump. But does he really want to enable the other side, the socialist, infanticide, open borders, you know, anti-math, anti-science lunatics of the left? Is, Is that his is that his goal here? What does he think he's accomplishing? I would actually really like to have an interview with Rip, with uh, with Mitt Romney, uh, or Rit Momney, which is what I was about to say, um, Mitt Romney, because I would want to ask him these questions, and I'm very curious what his answers are. I think they will be insufficient for me. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show, team. I, I wanted to check in on the latest from the the uh, loony left, the Democrats that are being offered up to replace the current president of the United States. They are not making any more sense now than they have in the past, but they absolutely uh, should be exposed for the bankruptcy of, the, of their ideas and the bankruptcy that they may force on some of you by messing with the economy, making it harder to run your business, harder to pay your bills. The president um, understands that there's not going to be any policy to speak of going forward because they... they the Democrats are just all in on, on defeating him. We can start. Let's start with that premise. Just establish that. Play clip two. They don't want to talk about infrastructure. They don't want to talk about lowering drug prices. They don't want to talk about anything because they're fixated on this. And Nancy Pelosi has been hijacked by the radical left. And everybody knows it. Yep. Pelosi has been pushed by the AOC squad so-called squad wing of the Democratic Party. I, I just want to note, I refuse. I like the word squad. Obviously has uh, some origins in, uh, or some military connotation from its origins. Um, I, do, I refuse 
to give it up. You know, you already you already can't say uh, posse because that's not people think that, that that you can't just hey like, you know, this guy's a part of my posse. It sounds like you're r- rolling around on a, on a bunch of or I guess riding around, not rolling because <laughs> there's no wheels. Uh, you know, you're, you're in a bunch of horses and you got six shooters and, you know, you're chasing Comanche and stuff like that. No, no. So posse is not not the term to use. And then obviously, even though. And I need to stop because I keep watching the show Outlander, whatever they're, you know, you can refer to clan and it's okay only if you're wearing a kilt and you're in Scotland, pretty much. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get, you're going to run into some issues, I think, using that term freely. So squad, I refuse to give up as, as something because I'll say, oh yeah, you guys are part of the, part of the, you know, team, uh, team buck squad or, well, team buck is a squad, but you know what I mean? I'm not letting the other side just take that one from us, you know? I remember when for a while, because Obama used to always say folks, people say, oh, it's part of the folks. Oh, the folks will do this. The folks will do that. And, and it was, I was like, all right, well, we'll try to stay away from using folks because it became an Obamaism. But I don't, I don't like seeding words to the Democrats, darn it. Uh, but here's the thing. Nancy Pelosi has been pushed further left than even she would want to go. I think that much is that much is clear. That much is apparent. And. That means that now we have to look at what the trajectory of the Democratic Party is going to be with a Pelosi who no longer can really effectively control things. She is riding the wave. She is not directing the wave. It's not the same thing, which is why I think we are heading to impeachment and why they want to make this happen as quickly as possible before the Democrats, the moderate Democrats, are able to rally and come to their senses and say, hold on a second, this is nuts because it is nuts. But you have uh, you know Pelosi out there, and then you've also got these uh, these Democrat candidates for office who are getting a little less attention right now than they normally would because you have all this focus on Congress and the impeachment proceedings. But let's just note for a moment what the latest is. First of all, you I mean I I've been saying this. I think that uh, Adam Schiff is the Beto O'Rourke of Congress because he's the worst. I think that Schiff is now officially the worst member of Congress. Like, if I could vote for who is the worst, it would be Adam Schiff. And among Democrat candidates, as you know, I already very strongly believe that Beto O'Rourke is the worst. Uh, no no doubt in my mind that Beto O'Rourke is the single worst Democrat candidate out there. Um, it was de Blasio, as we've been discussing. But these are the, these are the kind of uh, nuggets of wisdom. These are the kind of moments of insight that you can expect from... Beto O'Rourke, because he's just like, I just, maybe if I just ask Trump to resign, all this will go away. And he'll be like, yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally going to resign. Play 11. I'm calling upon those who are close to President Trump right now, the same ones who tried to hide the transcript or the notes from this phone call, who right now are complicit in what the president is doing to advise him to do the right thing and to resign from this office. The notes from the transcript were classified, you idiot. So what does he mean? Oh, because they they moved it into a more secure location because they knew that the president can't trust the people that are working for the government, in fact, working for him in the executive branch, to not try to use the daily processes of being the president against him? Calling on Trump to resign from office. I mean, can you think of a stupider thing that Beto O'Rourke could really say? Well, of course, he also thinks that we should, they should buy back every AR-15. Why? 
we went through that yesterday. We had the testimony on Capitol Hill from that very astute Heritage Foundation analyst. But Beto O'Rourke, I got to tell you, it's time for Beto to ghetto out of the race. Uh, it's time for him to say adios. Beto has already been Beto, uh, but this is where we are. I did want to focus in for a moment, though, on Warren. Because Warren is who I think we're really going to be facing. And that will be stunning because she had that that day. I'm sorry. I'm not letting it go. That day when she and CNN. Oh, man. CNN's head of PR came after me publicly that day, too. I remember it. You didn't watch our coverage. Actually, jerk. It was on the Hill monitors when I was at the Hill.com all morning. I watched lots of the coverage. And CNN was like, yeah, Elizabeth Warren, big win for her today proving that she's totally a Native American. She's 1,024th Native American. Yeah. Good job, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, they were just, they were like, they thought that those were their, CNN thought the marching orders were make everything better for Elizabeth Warren that day. You know, make sure that this is the, this is the narrative that you're going to push. And nobody ever stopped to think that they're going to sound like a bunch of morons, which they did. And so then the head of CNN PR was like, you're just shoveling stuff because you don't even know, you even see I was like, yeah, buddy, because you guys are an objective news network. You guys are a bunch, you're just journos, man, just trying to present the facts of the people. I feel badly. Anybody who still clings to that is either a liar or an idiot. It's true. There's, there's no more room for, oh, but CNN, you know, they try. They don't even try. It's the anti-Trump channel. It's a joke. But uh, Warren managed to keep going beyond that completely self-inflicted debacle and it was a debacle make no mistake about it um here though is where we have to dig into the policy that warren is saying that she would uh, enact if she were made president of the united states because the democrats have decided okay fine so she was a fake cherokee for her entire adult life uh and used it to advance herself and used it as a, as a means of separating herself and getting jobs that other people should have gotten and you know she 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 committed racial fraud. Now, that was what Elizabeth Warren did. But they, they've decided it's not going to be an issue. And, you know, look, tr- Trump isn't perfect. So they're going to bring up stuff from his background. You know, they're going to talk about Stormy Daniels and all this. So, all right, let's focus in on the policy for a moment. Let's look at what she would do if she were president. If we get a health care plan, a Medicare for all plan, which more, uh, Warren advocates for, will there be? a tax hike on the middle class. Now, before we can hear Elizabeth Warren's answer, you know, Democrats, they always have this thing about they won't just say it, that they're going to raise taxes. They're always, oh, we're going to increase revenue or or, or we're only going to raise taxes on the millionaires and the billionaires. Although, Bernie, my man, you're kind of a millionaire. So that's right. It can only be the billionaires now. Only the billionaires are bad. The millionaires can be great as long as they're socialist millionaires. All right. Well, at least Bernie's being a little more honest now. I'm doing what Adam Schiff. I'm going to take the Adam Schiff privilege where you just make stuff up and say that someone else said it. You know, you read it when you're in Congress on the floor of Congress. You pretend that you're you're reading something that someone else said when you're really just making it up as you go along. That's what Schiff did. Not making it up. Um, oh, here we had a uh, Congressman McCarthy actually say that play uh, play 10. What we witnessed today was the perfect example of the Dem- this Democrat majority and how reckless they have handled this significant responsibility. 
In fact, I want to use Chairman Schiff's own words to describe this Democrat majority. A parody. It is a parody, but that's not going to stop them. And I would offer to you that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Cory Booker and, and, and Joe Biden, their uh, policy proposals on a whole range of issues are also worthy of parody. And health care is, is certainly one of them. Uh, they, they refuse. They've learned none of the lessons they should have about the deficiencies in our health care system from the past. And what they propose is just doubling down on all the things, central planning, state control, lack of transparency and pricing, uh, government intervention in the marketplace, all the things that have caused the healthcare market to be as deficient as it is. And have ma- it is true, healthcare is too expensive for what it is. And uh, education, higher education in particular, too expensive for what it is. But when you ask them to explain what's really going on, then then all of a sudden they get all, oh, but, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. Play 18. So yes or no, should middle-class Americans expect their taxes to go up under a Medicare for All system? You know, you may remember that I've spent a big chunk of my life studying why middle-class families go broke. And one of the number one reasons is health care. And back when I was studying it, Um, about two out of three families that filed for bankruptcy in the aftermath of a serious medical problem had health insurance. Mm -hmm. But the problem is it's total cost for these families. So it's what you pay in premiums. It's also what you pay in co-pays to see a doctor. Or, sorry, that doctor is out of network, so you've got to pay for the whole thing. Or, wait, the insurance company says no on that specialist. Or the insurance company says high co-pay on this drug. Or that drug is not even covered at all. People keep reaching into their pockets and reaching into their pockets even when they have health insurance. So how we have to think about this system is, yes, Uh, We should expect that for giant corporations and very wealthy individuals, costs will go up. But for middle-class families, for hardworking people, costs are going to go down. But that's not the same as taxes not going up. What matters to families is costs. No, I think taxes matter to families, too. I think taxes matter a whole lot, in fact, to pay for the kind of programs that Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and others are publicly, not just promoting it, making the centerpieces of their campaigns, guess what? Your taxes are going to go up. Look at Sweden. Look at the tax rate there. Tie. You add a VAT tax on top of uh, everything else you're doing. And I've already talked to you about how Sweden is not socialist the way they say it's socialist. It's actually very free market in terms of its economy. It has a very large welfare state and very high taxation, but it is much more complicated than the left pretends. It's also a much smaller country than America. Um, and bureaucracies, as they expand, do not become more efficient. <laughs> okay, so that's that's part of it. Um, but Elizabeth Warren is also not really being uh, not really being fair minded either about when she, when she's discussing uh, how bankruptcies one I think one in three bankruptcies she says is caused by a, a medical issue. That's not really true. Uh, usually, usually a a medical cost is one of many, many costs that can be involved in somebody, uh, a, a bankruptcy, but you're, there's a lot of cherry picking to get that data. I've read a little bit of some of the studies that they will cite for this, and it's not, it's not nearly as clear cut as, oh yeah, like someone just got sick and then they're bankrupt. Um, 
usually it's, well, they're behind on their mortgage payments by a few months and they have no savings and they're overextended and, and you know, and then they get sick. And so it's like, well, what really caused the bankruptcy? Um, but she's making an emotional appeal. I want health care to be good in this country. Everybody wants health care to be good in this country. Elizabeth Warren, though, won't be honest with you about what her version of health care would mean, which is much, much higher taxation. And she says right now, oh, the the pharmaceutical or the, the drugs, rather, that your insurer covers and doesn't cover. Guess what? It's not going to be the insurer. It's going to be the government that tells you, oh, yeah, sorry, we don't cover that. Too expensive. Or you can't have that drug, have this drug that's not as effective, but it's a lot cheaper. And when the government tells you that, and that's who's insuring everybody, so-called insuring everybody. Also, there's this obsession with insurance instead of care. We should be focused on what do people have to do to get help when they are sick, to get treatment. Giving people coverage is a political obsession because the coverage can be crap, like Obamacare is. But then they say, oh, we're covering all these people, but it doesn't really deal with the fundamental problem. Anyway, there's, there, so there are policy things to get into here as well. I don't want to just uh, get totally sucked into this vortex of the whistleblower, the deep state, although those are real things. We'll be right back. I got to tell you, I, I love this story. This is this is a good one. And I, I know this is a get off my lawn moment for Buck, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm honest with you about it. This was on Market Watch yesterday. This airline will warn you if you'll be sitting next to a baby on your next flight. Oh, yeah, baby. I love it. This is great. Now, I understand a lot of you probably had to travel with babies, and, you know, it's, I understand it's nothing anyone can do, and they cry and everything else. But for those of us who do not have a baby and have a long flight ahead of us, to be next to it. I mean, I was on a flight recently where the baby, I mean, it was, the baby was screaming. I thought its little head was going to come off. It was screaming so loudly and for so long. I mean, just screaming and screaming and screaming. And it's, it's flying is already physically and psychologically stressful for a lot of people. So the little, the, the little baby, you know, noisemaker on the flight, if you're, I'm not saying babies should be banned from flights. I'm not some kind of crazy hater. All right. But I am saying that if you can avoid, if you're somebody like me who is noise sensitive, it's funny because I do a radio show, but I'm always trying to protect my ears. If you're noise sensitive and you don't want to sit near a baby, shouldn't the airline give you that option? Wouldn't it make sense for the airline to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to tell you how you can avoid being so near the baby. I think it's a great thing. And people got very upset about this, though. Oh, how dare you? It's kind of funny. There's a little baby icon that pops up on this. What is the airline? Hold on. It is um, Japan Airlines. Yeah. Japan Airlines rolled this one out so you can see where the baby is. I think you're going to reach a point where people are going to start to arbitrage and, and you know pay more for non, non-baby near seating. I think that's going to happen. I think you're likely to see a situation where uh, people are going to, the same way that you have to pay for extra legroom, you're going to pay more for a baby free zone on a flight. I know it sounds a little crazy, but how many of you listening that don't have, a, don't have an infant, how many of you would pay a little extra to be far from the infant on the flight? I'm just asking. I'm just asking questions. As we're kicking off the last hour of uh, the Buck Sexton Show today, I just wanted to uh, say that I'm really pleased to see that we've already gotten a bit of a, a bit of a bump in podcast listens just because we went yesterday for the first time out earlier. Uh, we 
would really love to see even more of that. So please do tell people, you know, when you're st- talking to friends about politics, you know, I- I've got a few group chats and emails and things with conservative patriots that we just share a lot of information all the time, you know, on, on your own Facebook page would be great for those of you that don't mind. You know, you can find the link to the Buck Sexton show on iTunes. Just post it on your Facebook page. Be like, guys, it goes up every day now, 3 Eastern. You can listen to the show after work, on your drive home, cooking dinner, whatever. Or, or if you're still in the office, let me, you know, entertain you while you're sitting down at the desk. So the really all of you are, are evangelists for this show. And, and I, I appreciate tremendously how much you've done for the show up to this point. Uh, and obviously it's a huge um, – a, a huge plus for us to be able to get more of you to be able to listen earlier so that this really becomes your your go-to for uh, for your daily news deep dive every day on the show. But if you could post it to your posting your Facebook page would be a great thing to do and, a, and if a, a few hundred of you of the hundreds of thousands of you out there, if a few hundred of you even post on your Facebook page, you know we'll see that. We'll see that uh, that bump in, in listening that will come from that. So it really would mean a lot if you wouldn't. If I may humbly request one thing from the team, it would be to share on your on your personal Facebook page the uh, link to the iTunes sub, uh, subscribe. I'll post it again today on my Facebook. We posted it yesterday, um, but you can just copy that link, put it on your Facebook, and say, "Hey guys, listen to this show," uh, because especially going to this election year, we need all the ears we can get. And as for eyes, I will tell you that uh, we are. As of October, we got pushed back a little bit on the Pluto TV, uh, but it is happening. We just have been pushed back to October 15th because of technical uh, setup stuff. So we're, we got to set some things up. And then as of October 15th, we will have a way for you to watch a video program of the show. Uh, and that will be going up, I think, also the same time as a podcast. So I believe it'll be up at 3 Eastern every day. So you can watch on Pluto TV if you want, if you're more of a visual Learner, you'll have an opportunity to do that. All right. All right. We're, we're going to have to do some, have to do a little more aggressive uh, plugging of this podcast because I got to tell you, there's some people that are getting people listening to their podcasts out there who are on the right. And I'm just like, well, that's a waste of everybody's time. So I, I, we, need, we need to get more people in the marketplace to know what the real shows are. Uh, so that would be a good thing. All right. Uh, where were we? Oh, the Des Moines Register. I told you about the story a couple of days ago. There was this uh, this journalist who wrote a story on Carson King, and so they have decided. I'm trying to remember the name of the of the guy who was um, fired. So this is what ended up happening, right? Carson King is the guy who raised money by holding up the beer sign. You remember this in the show, right? He held up a beer money sign. And then all of a sudden he became the social media phenomenon because he said, no, no, not only not only am I going to have you uh, send me money in this funny gag where I say I need beer money and he put his Venmo up on, on Instagram. But then he said, I'm going to raise money for a children's hospital. And he raised a million dollars. I mean, he raised some serious cash. Right. So people look at this and they say, OK, well, hold on a second. Uh, this guy's really doing some good. The Des Moines Register which is a very well-known paper for something that, you know, a state with a pretty small population overall. I'm not throwing any, I'm not throwing any, any, you know, any shade at you, uh, Iowa. I'm just saying, you know, it's not a huge state. So the Des Moines Register has this reporter, um, Aaron Calvin, 
who did a profile on Carson King, and he decided to go back into his social media history, and he found some racist tweets, and Aaron Calvin, present instead of just not including in the profile, presented it to his editors, and they made a decision, the editors of the Des Moines Register, to go ahead and include this in this profile of him, which I think just showed really bad judgment and was the wrong thing to do. And I think it was also motivated by a, a, a special kind of malice. And it's the malice of the left these days where they think that they are just, it's almost like they're trying to uh, you know, collect, collect pelts or scalps. You know, they're trying to go around and just add to the body count of those who are ruined, whose livelihoods are destroyed, whose reputations are annihilated because they have, at any point in their lives, been uh, politically incorrect, offended wokeness, or or been stupid and done something that was that was racially insensitive. Um, that's you know that that's possible too. That those all that whole spectrum can occur, but they want to just nail as many people as they can that fall into that very broad category because I think the left is drunk with power right now and that people think that this is a good thing that it's a it's always a teachable moment on the left when a white male gets fired from his job for what he did that was a violation of intersectional code right a violation of political correctness whether it's a small a small violation or a very egregious one they just think white male gets fired for this good sends a message to everybody else i mean i'll never forget when the just the Ugh, the the intellectually detestable Ezra Klein, who runs Vox, which is a gross website for leftist losers, uh, when he said that if if it meant that uh, changing the standards for I'll never forget this. He said it on TV. If changing the standards for sexual consent means that some innocent men go to prison, well, then that's just the price we have to pay because this is a very important issue. There's a moment of real honesty from that guy. That's that's what the left thinks about wokeness and political correctness, even if people that shouldn't lose their jobs, lose their jobs. Good. Sends a message anyway. You know, this is just walking down the street with a baseball bat as, you know, the local tough. And instead of finding somebody that's wrong, you just just clock somebody on the head with it just to show everybody that you can and that you have that power and no one's going to do anything. That's how the left approaches issues of wokeness and political correctness. And that's also why in this instance, it was particularly it was a particularly wow moment when you had the reporter, Aaron Calvin, decided that he was going to include this. And it turns out he actually said even worse stuff or certainly comparable stuff. And not when he was 16, but when he was an adult just a few years ago in his own social media history. And then that came out. And now you know what they did? They fired his, they fired his, himself, or him, rather. I was going to say they fired his butt, but that's not really, they fired all of him. Um, but yeah, they fired him. Um, they kicked him out. They said he's gone. I have mixed feelings about this. I, had a, I knew that something along these lines was likely to occur just because the outrage over, this guy raised a million dollars for a children's hospital and now you're going to ruin his life? And you thought that that was, you thought that that was a, an exercise of good journalistic judgment, really? You can believe that? Um, people were very upset. I mean, I was one of them. I was very angry about this. And, and I've seen this 
mentality as well. And it's why I think that uh, all conservatives should just get in the habit of, uh, of scrub, scrub your social history, your uh, social media posts every six months. If you're, especially if you're a public figure, but, and I haven't done this yet, but I should. I'm pretty careful on social media, but I'm not perfect. And I'm sure that a joke that seems kind of funny under the circumstances now in, in five years, if somebody, if circumstances change or, you know, who knows, they just pretend like it's, it was meant in a different way than you, when you wrote it, you know, whatever it is. But the left is drunk with power on this stuff. They fired this guy, Aaron Calvin, uh, because he got Carson King destroyed. And, uh, you know, that's not really what I want to have happen. I, I keep going back and forth on this. On the one hand, I feel like the only way that this really stops is if both sides have to live under the same, uh, the same rules. But on the other hand, I hate that these are the rules. I hate that this is now the way it goes. And I want to change that. I think, I think that grace and forgiveness and decency to each other should be a much larger part of this conversation instead of, well, you got our guys, so now I'm going to go get your guy, right? That's, that's a little bit of the reality of this moment, and I, I just don't like it. Um, I don't think that that's, you know, we, we haven't figured out exactly how to fight back on this yet. Um, you had... Or, or, or the way to stop it, really. Car- uh, Carol, what's her name? Uh, I forget what her name is, but she's the editor-in-chief here. She wrote this whole thing about what happened, and Des Moines Register has gotten a ton of heat for this. It's a big problem, and um, here's what she had to say for the Des Moines. Uh, Carol Hunter, here you go. None of what's happened has slowed King's fundraising for the Children's Hospital. We can all agree that's good news. While Bush Light has said it won't have future business ties with King, it is honoring its financial pledge to the hospital. Yep, I told you that the other day. Thank you for your concerns about our coverage and hearing me out directly here. To everyone who called, wrote, and posted your opinions, your passion is important, blah, blah, blah. Um, Here's what she wrote. Social media use by register employees. This is about the decision to fire the Des Moines Register reporter who turned on uh, Carson King or who got Carson King in trouble. The executive editor writes, now I'll turn the investigation into our reporter social media use. Until readers called to our attention some inappropriate posts from several years ago, the register was unaware of them. Employees of the register are vetted through typical employment screening methods, which can include a review of past social media activity, but the screening processes did not surface those tweets. Register employees must additionally review and agree to a company-wide social media policy that includes a statement that employees do not post comments that include discriminatory remarks, harassment, threats, violence, etc. We took appropriate action because there's nothing more important in journalism than having readers trust. So they fired this guy. I got to say, I think what he, you know, what he did is fireable. So that's the other part of it. You know, what he, with the stuff that he wrote, I mean, to be dropping, he was dropping the N-word in posts, public posts. What is he doing? He's a liberal, obviously, based on the way that he went after Carson King. I mean, it's clear this guy's a lib. He works for the Des Moines Register, and he's putting, uh, r- you know, really vile racial epithets on his social media profile. I mean, I got to tell you, it reminds me a little bit of the, of the uh, Justin Trudeau, who is uh, still the prime minister of Canada, and he's very, uh, very handsome for all you ladies out there. He is still willing to um, try to explain to you all of his wokeness. But... When Trudeau was asked about whether or not there were any more blackface photos after there were already three, I'm still 
flabbergasted, uh, somewhat speechless, even as a radio host, by the fact that he couldn't say very quickly, oh, um, yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> there, there might be more out there, which really goes a long way to explaining, I think, uh, explaining what this guy's judgment's really like. But yeah, um, some of these very clear liberals it's almost like their wokeness is compensating. You know, they're trying to compensate for either what they really think or at least what they know they've done in the past. Uh, the Des Moines Register firing this guy, I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, but if, if anyone could take anything from this, it's I wish I wish that we could live in a society where we would give each other the benefit of the doubt and and not destroy people as some kind of game. But I still well, at the end of the day, if you're asking me, what do I think? I think that we have to make both sides live under the same rules. I, I don't see how it changes otherwise, because if we're just nice to the other side, we're just going to get punched in the face forever, and they're not going to change. So I think that that means that we have to advocate for, okay, well, if you think people should get fired over posts, then your people, Des Moines Register, they need to get fired on, uh, for posts too. That's where I think we have to go. I got to tell you, I was reading in this morning before the show, and I know that, that hashtag... Cancel New York Times was was trending. Um, and I, I thought, well, why is this? I was curious. And I initially assumed that it must be because the New York Times did a an editorial where they had they'd set up the editorial um, to look like the beginning of the Star Wars movies. And it was so uh, cheesy. <laughs> it was so lame. I thought maybe people just had enough of the New York Times being ridiculous. But no, it turns out that there are a lot of libs who are calling for the New York Times to be canceled because of the outing of the uh, so-called whistleblower as a CIA officer. So people are also they're all so upset about this. I'm just going to tell you right now. Whoever this person is, it's not going to stay. It's not going to stay secret. They're planning to come out. There's no way you go back into your little humdrum government job. Oh yeah, that was. You know, I tried to uh, take out a president and change history, and you know, yeah, sure. But I'm now. I'm just going to sit at my desk and drink my Dunkin' Donuts and hang out. And nope, that's not going to. First of all, should be uh, should be drinking Black Rifle coffee. Okay, start with that. Second of all, it's just not. It's just not realistic. So the question now becomes, when will this person emerge in public? And as I have been saying, I think you'll see the person emerge and there'll be this little period of, oh, no, respect his or her. I, I think it's a him. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Um, respect his or her privacy. You know, Respect his need for quiet time with his family now after he tried to wreck the Trump presidency through schemes and machinations. Uh, and then it'll be like, oh, yeah, um, we're going to see him as a guest a few times on CNN. And then, oh, look at that. He'll be right there with uh, Comey's little lackey, whatever that guy's name is. And I saw he's got a book out now. I'm sure it's great. Uh, and D&I Clapper and all, you know, yeah, he's going to be right on CNN with all the other Obama appointee deep state jerks. Have a CNN contract, a big book deal. But, you know, it'll be amazing. Uh, people will forget that right now, all the libs will forget that right now, they're, they're claiming that this person, their life is in jeopardy. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. It's absurd. Uh, this person did this knowing full well that, that he's going to be, when he comes forward and publicly, and I'm, 
I can't tell you for sure because nobody can predict the future, but I think it's very, very likely it'll happen soon. Uh, they'll, they know that they'll be welcomed as a hero of the resistance. I mean, even look at someone like Evan McMullen, right, who was a, like me, a former CIA officer who came out and ran for president and had, had a joke of a campaign and now has turned into just an anti-Trump hysteric loon. But he got famous, kind of, because of running against President Trump. And now I'm sure he gets paid to give speeches and he's, you know, he's considered a, he's become a, a public figure based solely on his willingness to leverage his former government background to bash Trump. I've never heard him say anything insightful, or interesting about foreign policy, about any policy, but he hates Trump. So, the, you know, the narrative there was, you know, Evan McMullen, ex-CIA, hates Trump, comma, therefore, let's make him well known. Let's make him somebody that people have to hear about and know about. Uh, whoever this person is that did the whistleblowing, trust me, there's a very high likelihood that the path will be, oh, my gosh, this person was single handedly trying to save the country from the clutches of the evil Donald Trump. The libs are going to love this person. They're going to say, oh, it's fantastic. Can't get enough of this. And they'll make a lot of money and everything else. Look, look at Valerie Plame. Another person. Oh, they outed me. They outed me. Now let's do the cover of Vanity Fair. Oh, I was outed. I was outed. Total nonsense. Yeah, if she was really worried about what had happened, you'd think she might have kept a slightly lower profile. Nope. All the, all, you know, on the Tonight Show and the this and the that and the Vanity Fair cover and, oh, I'm a super spy and all this crap she was saying. Her, her congressional ad rollout was such a joke. It really was. <sighs> Roll call's coming up. Hey, Team Buck. It's time for Roll Call. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com is the email address. That is where you send us things for Roll Call or just suggestions for the show, guests you want us to book. Although keep in mind, we don't do a lot of guests because I am very... um, I'm very possessive of my time with the team, so unless I have somebody I really want to have on, I tend not to do it. But anyway, but you can send us suggestions. I'll take all the suggestions you want. Uh, but yeah, so we'll start with emails. We'll get to uh, Facebook on the flip side. And remember, podcast is going up every day, folks, 3 Eastern. Please subscribe on iTunes. Even if you're a radio listener, subscribe on iTunes, because then if you miss the show on radio, you'll have it right there. You can listen whenever you want, because I want all of you to listen to, you know, really get in the habit of making Team Buck a part of your day every day, even if you get stuck late at the office or you're not in the car or whatever it is. Right? So that's the beauty of, of podcasts. You can, those of you that are radio first listeners, think of podcasting as your backup. iTunes, iHeart app, Spotify. We got, uh, we got a lot of... Are you okay, Producer Mark? Producer... A little tickle in my throat. Oh, okay. It's like a choked on a dragonfly over there. I was worried about you. This is what the problem is without having glass in between us. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Sorry, producer Mark and I, we're close quarters in here. So it's like it's like we're roomies. We should get a we should get bunk beds for, for nap time in here. We're literally five feet away from each other, but we can't see each other. Yeah, that's true. There's too. monitors in between yeah. us. But I but I can feel I can feel your presence. I'm glad. Yeah. All right. Jake is the first up in roll call today. Buckster, three quick points. I'd love to see a media outlet put together a special that interviews people whose lives were influenced in a negative way by the Mueller report and or the Democrats in the wake of the 2016 election. I think the American public should see how these nonstop fake news investigations have real life consequences and that Democrats just don't care. 
Jake, I know that this is going to sound like something that I am just saying because, oh gosh, isn't this crazy? I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about how I might want to try to leverage some of my contacts in the White House and in the administration to give me a few cases of people who were crushed in the machinery of the mullet, not the ones you already know about, because I think they already have platforms and people will, will certainly you'll be hearing more from General Flynn. And, but I mean, some of the lower level people. I mean, if I were a, you know, a White House aide and I had to pay, you know, I don't know, $50,000, $75,000 of legal bills, uh, I don't know how I would do that. $100,000 of legal bills. Where's that money coming from? I don't have it. So I, I do want to tell that story. I think it's interesting. I think people should know because the Democrats always hide behind this. Oh, we're just doing our constitutional duty and we just have to investigate. We have to investigate. Well, investigations come with with literal costs. People have to spend money to defend themselves. And then there's the more general costs of what it does to people who are losing sleep, who are uh, under tremendous pressure and anxiety, who perhaps get very sick. Uh, don't even get me started on how much I think mental health and physical health are inextricably linked and very much tied together. When you're under tremendous pressure, whatever it is, whether it's personal or professional, you're much more likely to get sick and very sick. Um, so, yeah, Jake, I, I think it's an excellent idea. It's just there's so many things. You know, producer Mark and I just today were talking about we got the Pluto show that we're about to launch. You'll be able to see a stream of that. Hoping to get some really fun guests in here to to talk to them about Things going on in Pluto, uh, you know, not in Pluto, <laughs> in America, in the world, or on the planet Pluto, whatever. Um, I also think we might we might try to get a few more. I can't promise that it'll be all streamlined and ten in a row, but I, I got to do the Siege of Malta on Shields High. We're, we're thinking about going back and just adding that into the podcast feed. So again, the more podcast subscribers that there are, the more likely I'm like, hey guys, I'm just going to throw in this episode. In addition to the show, I'm just going to give you a, we're just going to throw Shields High in the mix. You can listen to that and share that with your friends. So, yes, these are all things. These are all products. And I got the book I'm writing with my friends at Stansbury Research, which I'm a little behind on. Don't tell Stansbury. Uh, but it's happening. It's happening. So, yeah, a lot of things. A lot of things. And allegedly, I also need to, you know, like get married and start a family at some point. Because as some of my friends have told me, it's going to get weird soon, Buck. It's going to get weird. All right, all right. I'm on it. I'm working on it. Uh, back to Jake's excellent email. Two, if asked what famous person I would choose to have lunch with, my answer would be you, sir, hands down. We're the same age, both have a national security background, and I really respect your opinion analysis. Well, thank you, Jake. That's very, very kind of you. It means a lot. <laughs> Whenever I say things like thank you and you made my day, I really mean it for all of you who write it and stuff. Uh, I'm here in New York City, and I don't really get to see many of you on the team on a regular basis. So I know you're all across the country and there's a lot of you, but I, I don't get to see you. So I just do this show and my only interaction with most of you is via email and Facebook and the very small percentage of you that are part of the Twitterati. Uh, but thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Number three, he writes, check out Dry Bar Comedy on Facebook. It's hilarious, clean comedy and never fails to deliver a laugh. Um, all right. I will, Jake. Thank you so much. Shields high, he writes. Indeed, sir. Indeed. Um, Gina, Gina, your email is loading and, oh, okay, you're just having trouble with the podcast, but you figured it out. All right, hold on. Amanda, Amanda's next up here in the roll call action. Hey, Buck, I was first introduced to your hilarious genius 
while attending Talk Tank 2019 here in Whoa Whoa Land in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Whoa Whoa! Everybody out there in Fort Wayne, I've been out there twice because I love all of you so much. And also all of your uh, your hosts, your local hosts in Whoa Whoa, I think are great people. Kayla Blakesley, who does a show in the morning, is a fantastic lady and a great radio talent in her own right. So, yep, I really, I'm really very pro Whoa Whoa. I've been listening to you ever since from 9 to midnight. If I happen to miss a show, I just hit up the podcast. Your impersonations crack me up. You and Rush are my favorites for my talk radio addiction. Thanks for the Fort Wayne shout out. Well, we got another Fort Wayne shout out today. Here you go. Uh, so where are you, KLBJ Austin? You know, these are the like the station letters that I usually get emails from. Haven't heard from KLBJ Austin folks in a few days. I miss you guys. I know you're probably saying, well, Buck, you've been to Fort Wayne twice. Why haven't you been to Austin? I do not have a good answer for that. It needs to happen. We will get an Austin visit in before the election. That I can, I would, before the election, I'm coming to Austin. I want to meet the KLBJ folks. And uh, I want to meet Team Buck Austin. And we'll go to a barbecue place and we will just eat delicious meat and drink things. And uh, yes, that's the plan. It, it will, it is going to happen. All right. I just, I got a lot of things. Um, and then uh, Amanda writes So since the left is self imploding, I wonder if this was the president. What the president meant when he ran on draining the swamp, it seems uh, slowly but surely they're becoming their own worst enemy. Thoughts? Hopefully at least a few of them will have some ramifications for the ridiculous and cringeworthy actions. Much love from the fort, Amanda. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, and, huh, I, you know, the left, you have to remember, the left is imploding if you're a normal person that has a grip on reality. If you are somebody who, you know believes that what you're watching on CNN is objective, or if you're somebody who thinks the New York Times is a neutral journalistic enterprise, you don't think they're imploding. You think the problem is the rest of us who don't believe that Trump is worse than Hitler. I mean, I come across people like this. They seem rational. They seem normal. They seem like they have some understanding of what's going on in the world when you talk about certain things. You know, you could, you could be like, hey, where can I get the best, you know, soft shell crab? Because this is New York and everyone's fancy. And they'll tell you that and they'll give you a good answer. But, of course, if it's only in season, <laughs> let's not be silly. Uh, but when you ask them, well, is Trump worse than Stalin? They'll say, oh, absolutely. And you say, well, why? Well, Stalin killed 20 million people, but he didn't collude with the Russians. Or did he? Uh, you know, this is kind of the stuff that you come across, though. People believe what they want to believe. I always am much more focused on self-correction and and being right and always testing and retesting assumptions and, and trying to because I, I, it matters to me that I truly believe that I've done the work and the research to know that why I think what I think is correct. Um, that's that's important to me. Right. So for a lot of people, though, certainty is a kind of drug. Oh, what I've been told, what I believe, I just need more of that. I need more of the reinforcement of those beliefs. I, I absolutely have to be told that everything I think is right all the time. And you have a lot of that on the left. There's some of that on the right too. I'm not gonna pretend that that doesn't exist, but it's a big issue um, among the Democrat left. You know, they really just wanna, because imagine if you, here's a perfect example. If you really thought that the world was gonna end in 12 years, if you really thought that climate change meant that the world was gonna end uh, would you, I mean, th think about this. Would you, uh, at that point ever be willing to change your mind when that would mean you'd have to admit 
that you thought something that was completely bonkers not long ago, right? People don't want to go there. They don't want to have to do that introspection and reflection. They don't want to have to think about what the ramifications are if, in fact, not only they were wrong then, but what if they change now? What if their friends don't want to hang out with them anymore? What if they don't get to feel like one of the cool kids at the cocktail party, which are real things. People started saying there's no such thing as Georgetown cocktail parties. Oh, it's this old trope. It doesn't exist. The fancy Georgetown. Yes, they do exist. I was just in D.C. There were fancy schmancy cocktail parties going on. Journos, NBC and CNN and blah, 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 Washington Post. All that stuff was, this is not, people act like this is, uh, you know, it's a conspiracy. The fancy cocktail parties, Georgetown, it's not happening. It's not real. Everyone's actually just lizard people getting together, eating eating the carcasses of, of dead marsupials. It's like, no, that's, they're actual, there are these parties that come together of people that are fancy. And, th- and that is important in their social circle. You know, what, what really matters if you're the editor-in-chief of the New York Times, if you're the executive editor of the Washington Post, or just name any, and I, I don't even spend much time on all these liberal, just slanderous garbage outfits like Vox and HuffPost and these places that are just, I just have no respect for them intellectually or ethically. I think they're bad places. Not quite as bad as Media Matters, which to me is, you know, might as well be Al-Qaeda. But yeah, I, you know, I think that you, you look at what these different organizations, the people that are senior in them, what do they really want? They want to be, they want their peers to think that they're great. They want the people that they socialize with to think that what they're doing is really important. And that means activism. That means support for leftist causes. It, it doesn't mean good gumshoe old school journalism. Because that can, that can cut both ways. There are bad Republicans. There are bad Democrats. People mess up. You know, politics is not, uh, is not a, a game where you can expect that only one side is going to have clunkers. But all right. Well, when we come, I know I got a little fired up there. I'll be right back in a moment, team. Stay with me. All right. And we're going to close out the show strong on this lovely Friday here in uh, the Freedom Hut NYC by getting into... Uh, roll call via facebook.com slash buck sex. And you now have two ways to reach us. And we're going to set up more. We're going to give you a special voicemail. Maybe I'm just making this up as we go along, but where you can just call producer Mark's house at any time. And, and if he's home, he can answer and you guys can chat. And if he's not home, you can just leave a voicemail for producer. Are you Mark. just checking to see if I'm paying attention? <laughs> Is that all that's happening? Yep. That's right. Just making sure you're not catching you napping, producer Mark. He was ready to go there, guys. That, that is not happening. He's... That's for sure. <laughs> yes, the reflexes of a of a of a cat. If that happens, I'll be giving out your cell phone number. Uh, oh right gosh, here. that'll be that'll be fun. Fun for everyone. All right, let's get to it. Facebook.com/slash Buck Sexton. Um, hold on a second here, Michelle. Oh wow, this is re- Michelle. This is um, okay. Here we go. It's a little long, so i got to cut it down a bit. Ready to let you know, not only am I a faithful member of Team Buck, but I've been spreading the word regarding your spectacular show for a while now. Thank you, Michelle. I made two videos last week, one where I highlight Beto and your Beto impression. I even wrote your name on the screen and credited you in the reference box. I know WOW, a complete... Uh, 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 no, you're not a no. That's not true. About my talented show, can life get any better than this? I think not. No, I think this is amazing, actually. So thank you so much, Michelle. Please, guys, anything that you can do, you know, if you want to take parts of the show and share it on your social and uh, and have some fun with it, make your own little clips. I mean, look, this stuff, that stuff really matters. I can't, I will not name people, but I will tell you that there are other uh, radio hosts out there who I know have had staff members, for example, create, quote, 
fan accounts for them on YouTube and things like that, where they post like, my guy's the best guy ever. I love this guy that I listen to on the, and it's people that work for them on staff, but it's always, you know, Patriot 1776, love America, who's posting this stuff, but it's really just staff. But any of you that want to do that, please help spread the word about the show. I mean, I... I do not think there is. I do not think there is a better show in this format out there. I really don't. So please help uh, tell people about it, especially now that we are free of the constraints of being a, a late evening show, which we'll be having. Now we're daytime, baby, prime time. Let's do it. Drive time. I want you guys listening. I want you telling people about it. And thank you so much, Michelle. It is very, very sweet of you. And please keep uh, keep spreading the word. Uh, Sandy. I don't know why I do the name. I do like I do the names on roll call like a game show host. Hey Bob, come on down. I get a little more of the radio mode, you know. I want to make you guys think that I should be wearing a uh, you know a, a a very loud window pane sport coat, trying to sell you a reverse mortgage or something in between doing uh, prices right segments. I don't know. That's just not my thing. Uh, Sandy writes, Buck, the reason they really want to impeach Trump is because they're still angry about Clinton impeachment. They got to be even and the guilty accuse everything they blame Trump for. They've done Sandy. Yes, you are correct. They view this as as a form of justice because of what was done to President Clinton. There's no question about it. Uh, here we go. Um. John, Buck, you still not learned how to say the three-syllable word president. You're infected with the dreaded Washington, D.C. Beltway speak disease. Huh. Okay. Um, well, do I say I say president wrong? Okay. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I say it better than you, John. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what else to say, buddy. You seem like kind of a psycho. Good talk. Uh, Bill. What's next here? Thankfully, people down here don't freak out about firearms. One of my hobbies is restoring old rifles, and whenever I'm out in my garage with the door up working on one, one of my neighbors sees they'll come over with a few cold barley pops just to see my latest project. Shields high. Much respect from Mississippi. Uh, well, Bill, thank you so much, man. And, yeah, I'm sure in Mississippi it's way better than it is here, which reminds me I have to uh, get get going soon on my permit application. I'll tell you guys all of that. That'll be a fun Oh, man, because I know my way around the NYPD, One Police Plaza and all that already. So I'll really be able to I'll talk to some of my friends who are sergeants and it'll be fun. We're going to the Second Amendment restrictions. Uh Oh, show's closing up. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Shields high.